Hey, I'm Steve Holt, the senior pastor of The Road at Chapel Hills. This is The Road Podcast. Thanks for joining us. My heart is to empower you to change the world. I hope this message impacts you. Well, I want to entitle today, Hail Mary, uh, Conceiving a Miracle in Your Womb. And I want to talk about Mary. I am using the term Hail Mary. Um, How many of you come out of a Catholic background? Okay, you're supposed to say your Hail Marys if you're in confessional. If you look up the definition of Hail Mary, number the first definition is a prayer to the Virgin Mary used by the Catholic Church. But you'll always find a second definition of Hail Mary. Let me read it to you. A long, typically unsuccessful pass made in a desperate attempt to score late in a football game. Okay, some of the top... Uh, memories we might have if you're Lolders in 2013 divisional playoffs, Joe Flacco of the Ravens' last second pass defeating the Denver Broncos. September 27, 2009 game between San Francisco and Minnesota is considered the greatest Hail Mary pass in history. But my favorite of all occurred in 1984 with a diminutive five-foot, nine-inch guy named Doug Flutie who won the Heisman Trophy. And I think this is what sealed the Heisman Trophy for him. He threw a 64-yard pass in the Orange Bowl that won the game. Can you imagine 64 yards in the air from a five-foot, nine-inch quarterback who went on to even greater fame? Why do I say all that? Let me give you my definition of this, this conception of a miracle. If you want to call it, I'm going to call it a Hail Mary My definition would be this, like the Virgin Mary's miracle of conceiving Christ in her womb, God still conceives miracles at the last minute in our lives. Let me give you that definition again. Like the Virgin Mary's miracle of conceiving Christ in her womb, God still conceives miracles at the last minute in our lives. And you know, you, I could say that, and, and it may seem a little bit over the top, except that the biblical narrative from, in the Old and New Testament is Hail Marys from God. I mean, he's constantly showing up at the last minute. The Exodus from Egypt, an amazing Hail Mary, as Moses lifts up his rod at the Red Sea as Pharaoh's army is driving toward him. The 13th time, marching around Jericho, David and Goliath in the Valley of Elah, Elijah against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, Hezekiah crying out for deliverance against the Assyrians, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, Peter and Silas in prison, worshiping the Lord in an earthquake. And the greatest Hail Mary of all time was the birth of the Son of God from a virgin girl, an ordinary peasant girl named Mary, Because I say that because it's the greatest miracle because we can't have Calvary without Bethlehem. And so it all began right there. And church, God's in the business of taking obscure people, people who have no pedigree, people who don't have great education maybe or don't have a background of doing great things. He takes ordinary people and he uses them for him to do supra-ordinary things. He wants you and I to walk naturally supernatural, naturally supernatural. There's no reason why this same God of the Old and New Testament, this same God 
who chose to conceive a miracle in a peasant girl's womb can't be doing the same kind of miracles today as he's done in the past. He just needs men, women, and children who believe, who will trust him, and will walk and let him work in and through their lives. So look in your Bibles at Luke chapter 1. And we keep growing by so many people each week. So I just want to remind us that at the road, we bring our Bibles. And the reason we bring our Bibles and I encourage people to take notes is because when you take notes, when you actually have a physical Bible in front of you, and, I'm, I'm, and the phone's okay, but I'm talking about what the, what the pedagogy is on this, you have 85% greater retention. If you have a literal Bible in front of you, and you, have, and you take notes. So you that are new to our church, you may have come out of a church where they put the Bible up on the screen. We never do that. We always want you to look down and read the Word because if, I want your Bible to look like my Bible. And my Bible's really, really marked up in this passage because this is probably one of the most famous Christmas passages of all time. And it's been variously interpreted. But today I want to look at it from this perspective, not of the mystical, but of the miraculous. Because there can be kind of, you, you could almost take some, you could almost take some, a fog machine. We could have a fog machine up here. Because the, the stable and Joseph and Mary and camels and shepherds, it's kind of mystical, you know? And I want to just kind of blow the, blow the fog off and say, no, it's miraculous, and it's practical, and we can experience the same kinds of miracles in the womb of our heart, and that God wants to conceive something in you. But let's look at verse 26, Luke 1, 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is a very forgettable city, gang. I mean, it was so small at that time that probably everybody in the little village was related to each other. So it was very small, and there was a town, even today, Sephora is three miles north. That is where, where Joseph would have bought his tools. There was no Ace Hardware, you know, in Galilee and in uh, Nazareth because at that time it was just so very, very small. So it's a forgettable village. And Gabriel's going to visit a forgettable couple, one that is so ordinary that we'd know nothing about them if it weren't for the narrative of Luke writing about in the coming of Christ. And we'll talk about Gabriel, we'll talk about angels next week. But Gabriel shows up, and this is no Monica in touch by an angel with an Irish accent. I mean, this is a, this is a massive angel of sorts. Every time we have an angelic visitation in Scripture, it creates fear in those who see this angel. And you've probably met angels before. We'll talk about this next week. But I, I believe there's much more angelic activity on the earth than you really know. Some of you might look back. You might even think about this for next week. And people that you've met, people that have introduced themselves to you or you to them in a difficult circumstance you've been in that you never hear of again, you never see again, but they say something or they do something that's amazing 
You never know. And Billy Graham wrote a book many years ago called Angels Unaware. And he tells all these stories. But that's next week. Verse 27. So Gabriel shows up, the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, in the northern part there of Galilee, northern part of Israel, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Yosef. That's how we say it in Hebrew. Of the house of David, the virgin's name was Miriam or Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. So it's interesting how God works, but God always shows up in our drama. In other words, I think that God does his best work in the ordinary. He's taking an ordinary young man who's about to be married to a young woman. He's, uh, Yosef's probably 25 years old, we believe, because he probably had an established carpentry business. He would have been about 25. He probably has either built a house or he's got an extension to his parents' house. And Miriam or Mary is probably about 15 or 16 years old. This would have been very typical at that time. And it was, an, it was probably an arranged marriage. So, and, and a relative. So there's some kind of relational connection, maybe a generation or two back. They're going to get married. It's been arranged by the parents. And by the way, arranged marriages, divorce rate is 3%. So whatever we think about arranged marriages, is it? now, in some of those countries, you're jailed if you get a divorce. So let's just be fair. Um, <laughs> But we were in Japan, and in Japan, something like 50% back in the 80s were uh, still arranged marriages. But they weren't loveless marriages. They weren't romanticless marriages. It would have been the parents' responsibility to kind of see who was noticing who, and they would start to make those arrangements. So it's probably true that Mary noticed Joseph. Joseph noticed Mary a year or two, maybe a few years back, and they saw him talking at the well or she hung out when he was building furniture. I mean, we don't know. But it's not a, lo- it's not a totally loveless marriage, but it, was, but it was probably arranged by the parents. Now, here's why it's important. Because when God shows up in our circumstances, he usually doesn't change our circumstances that much. Not going to change you, per se, as to who you are. What he's going to do, the miracle of God, is he's going to change our hearts. He begins to work in our hearts. So, so Gabriel shows up on assignment from God and moves into a drama that's already happening in this little town of Nazareth, and God always does that. But here's what's interesting. This is, this is the most interesting part, is what the angel says about Mary. Verse 28, and when, and having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. Now, I have highly favored one. I circled that. The Lord is with you. Blessed, I circled that. Are you among women? But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor. And I circled found favor with God. I draw a line connecting all of these, highly favored, blessed, and found favor with God. So she's troubled. 
And I dare say some of you in this room right now are troubled about something. There's something happening in your life. There's something that worries you. There's something that you're fearful about. And it's not because you've seen an angel. It's because you've seen your circumstances. And it's bothersome. And it hurts deep in your heart. Listen, you guys, that's the setup for every miracle. Until God troubles us, we're not usually aware that he wants to do a miracle. And it may be your marriage, it might be a relationship, it might be your finances, it might be one of your kids. It might be something that has happened that has come from the outside, invaded your family or invaded your life. You never saw it coming and you're troubled and you're worried and you're fearful about that. That's exactly where God does his greatest work. That's where God begins to move in our hearts. But this this idea of Mary being highly favored, blessed, found favor with God, even this part right here has divided the church for 2,000 years. So on one side of the church, this favor of Mary is venerated to the level of worship. But on the other side of the tradition I grew up in, She's never even talked about. I mean, she's never even mentioned. And somewhere in the middle is where I think God wants us to be, and that is that she is special. Miriam is very, very special to God, and and he says it right here that she's blessed, she's favored, she's exalted, but not for anything that was unique in Mary, but it was God's calling. It was God's favor upon her for a work that he wanted to do. I wondered oftentimes if there weren't three or four Marys before her. Maybe it was in Jerusalem. Maybe it was um, actually already in Bethlehem. I mean, who knows? I'm still under the lineage of David, still under the lineage of Judah. But the response was different, and the angel had to move to the next one. I don't know. All I know is what's said in Scripture, and that is she was highly favored. And the Greek word here is eulogia. It's where we get the word eulogy. You know, when you hear a eulogy at a funeral or memorial service, you're speaking favor about someone. And that's what he's talking about here. So in Ephesians 1, 3, it's really interesting. Because in Ephesians 1, 3, we have this cool passage that uses the exact same word. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed, eulogio, us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Men and women, God is speaking to us that every one of us has been given a spiritual blessing. We have all the spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm given to us because we follow Jesus. You have everything you need for the conception of a miracle. And yet I think in a lot of our lives, we're kind of virgins to the miraculous. You might be a virgin to the miraculous. You can't look back yet in your life and say, there, that's impo- that that God did was impossible without God showing up. But God wants to change that. God wants to work within our lives in a whole new way to conceive his miracle in us. And that miracle within us comes to those who believe. And so Mary, she's, been, she's just told that she's favored by God, but she's, but she's afraid. And you may feel that way also. 
Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. I love that. That, that you know, when we think about evangelism, Maybe sometimes we think in terms of receiving Christ and believing Christ, and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Um, sometimes we present Christ for the benefits that he can give to us. What about the fact that he's actually the king of all other kings? That he's the ruler over all other rulers, and that he's not up for re-election? And that he's in control? What if we presented, hey, there's a king. There's a ruler in the heavenlies. His kingdom is coming. His kingdom is coming to El Paso County. His kingdom is coming to Colorado Springs. He is on the move through his people. And if you'd like to join the team, it might be a really good idea for you. You might want to change jerseys and join the winning team because Jesus is king. He is ruler. He's not, and you don't, you don't have to. But he says of you, even if you're not on the team yet, I want to give you every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. I want to do the miraculous in your heart. Where you're troubled, I want to do the miraculous. Where you're full of fear, I want to give you hope. Where you feel like you have no courage, I want to give you courage. That's what I do. That's God's MO. And that's what he does in Mary. Mary who's never had relations with a man. This is impossible God is going to start to conceive a miracle in her womb. How many of you need God to conceive some kind of a miracle in your life right now? Raise your hand. So, Father, I ask you right now, keep those hands up. God, would you go to those that are raising their hands right now? God, would you birth the seed of a miracle in their spiritual womb Starting today in a whole new way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So God begins to say, he, he, he begins this process, this journey of conceiving a miracle of the kingdom in Mary. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I mean, this is impossible what you're saying. I don't know a man. So one time, many years ago, I think I was still in college there was a Lutheran pastor at my parents' house. For some reason, I think it was either spring break from Georgia or it was uh, Christmas break. and Probably Christmas because of what happened next. And we got into this debate. It was really, it was really a good debate, the kind I like, where not everybody's like ready to punch the other one out or anything. But we were, we were having a, a uh, dialogue. That'd probably be better. We were having a dialogue, and he comes from a neo-orthodox theological perspective, and he said, you know, that idea of the virgin birth, virgin really means young woman. And I said, oh, here we go again. You guys can't get over the idea of a miracle. It's really hard for you. You guys really struggle with miracles in the Lutheran church. That's the reason you don't see any. And, uh, and he laughed too, you know, dad exited the room, you remember that? <laughs> and I said, you say that, but why don't we look at the passage in Luke 1, because 
there's more than just saying she was a virgin. And this is the verse that I took him to. I said, look at verse 34 of Luke 1. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? I mean, it's obviously she, I mean, it's obvious that she's speaking of sexual relations with a man. And, and that was a very animated conversation from that point. But he knew he, was, he had lost, you know. And so this is important, gang. This is really important in what we call theologically the incarnation. The idea that Jesus was fully man. And what makes him fully man is not that he got his seed from a man, but because he was birthed in the birth canal of a human being, a woman, Mary. But remember last week, he was born of the seed of the woman, the prophecy, because the Holy Spirit conceived the seed, only place ever in, in scripture where it talks about the seed of a woman. So he's fully man, but he's also fully God because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So church, don't ever give up on that doctrine. That doctrine's huge and Satan will use anything to try to take away from the incarnation of Christ of being fully God. Then Mary said to the angel, I can this be since I have not known a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy Ghost who's born will be called the Son of God. So this is the this is the power of the Holy Spirit showing up on Mary, which makes the deity of Christ true right there from conception, coming from the Holy Spirit. And I would say a couple things here. Number one is for us to ask the question to the Lord, how can you do a miracle? How can this be? My husband has always been this way. My wife has always been this way, whatever it might be. It's, it's okay to ask that question. God can handle it. He heard it from Mary, and she's going to conceive his son. So there's nothing wrong with questioning God initially with how in the world are you going to do this? This is impossible. But then you've got to let the next thing happen, and you've got to begin to surrender to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit come upon your thinking come upon your belief system and start to change you. Most of the time, he's not going to change your circumstances. He's going to change your heart. You're going to change your circumstances. Everybody look at me if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, go like this. God's not going to change your circumstances most of the time. Sometimes he does. Most of the time he doesn't. He changes you to believe him and you change your circumstances. So if you're constantly a jerk and your wife or your husband is filing for divorce because you're a, you're a jerk and you start to pray, oh God, he's prayed, change her heart, change his heart. I don't want a divorce, da, da, da. It's not going to happen. You're still a jerk. But if you say, Lord, I surrender me to you and would you start a miracle in me so that I can restore my marriage? Now, that's the way miracles work. Because God will change your heart. You start to believe him. He starts to work through you. And miracles happen through you being changed. So, so God did not have to conceive his son as a baby. He could have materialized him on earth as a grown man. Instead, he, he, he put circumstances together... Wherein Jesus 
had to live the life of holiness for 33 years. He understands our temptations. He knows our pain. He lived it out perfectly through the power of the Holy Spirit. And most miracles are conceived and take time. They don't happen quickly. So, so right now, he, the announcement is made to Mary, just an ordinary girl. I mean, if she, if she went to Nazareth High School, she won, you know, the trophy for Mary of Nazareth, Miss Ordinary. I mean, there's nothing about her, but something's happening in her heart. The power of the highest will overshadow you, therefore also... That Holy Spirit, that Holy One is to be born, will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. Now, this is really important because, and this is why we, we talk about bloodstained allies here at the road. That's why we have the Tuesday morning men's event every Tuesday morning, 273 men last week, you know, in this room at tables, and we put you at tables because you need a witness of others, you guys. You need a witness of other people. Mary, yeah, she can believe a little bit, but then here's Elizabeth, who's already six months into her miracle, and she's old. And I don't know how old she was. Some have said she was over 60 years old. Some, some scholars have put that based on that word and what it meant throughout Scripture. So she's over 60, maybe. She's going to have a child. And that's what we're going to see here. That's really what gives Mary faith to believe. She sees what's happening in Elizabeth. And church, you need people in your life who have lived a little more than you, Maybe they're a little more mature than you. They've seen some miracles. You know, seek them out. Man, seek them out. Seek out people who've been in similar situations as you, and they came out victorious. Not the ones who constantly are losing. But I'm telling that those that are winning, and what I mean by that is that they didn't quit. I'm not fond of quitters, if you haven't figured that out yet, okay? Quitting is highly overrated. Quitters usually are passive. They are easily knocked over. As soon as they hear one opinion or the next opinion, they're always changing. In the political realm, they're, they're these kind of people. They're just going to go with the winds because they want to be elected. But God's looking, always looking for Mary types, Miriam types, who are going to believe In this case, has this ever happened before? You you don't think she might have been thinking, oh, I live in Nazareth. There's 25 families in Nazareth, and they're really going to believe this story? Oh, an angel came. Gabriel, you guys all know Gabriel. Man, he's done some pretty cool stuff in Israel. He came to me, and he told me I'm pregnant with the Messiah, and... He conceived it and not Joseph. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm a pastor and a father. I've heard a lot of them. But that would, that would rank pretty high in like the top 10. Nine months of that. And then born and probably all of... of, of 
Jesus' life, he was considered the illegitimate son of Mary, who's in Galilee, who's in Nazareth. She lives over there, weird gal. And then, oh, yeah, he was doing all these miracles, but he died a criminal's death at a crucifixion on a hill called Calvary in Jerusalem 33 years later. You see the scandal of all that? So sometimes it's a scandal to trust God for the miraculous. And sometimes when God begins to give us a a desire for a miracle, a a work of God in our lives, it's going to be nine months before it's birthed. Sometimes that nine months is really hard. But look at Mary's response. This is what sets her apart, I think. Verse 36, excuse, verse 37. For with God, this is now, this is Elizabeth speaking to Mary. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So what a great witness. What a great witness by by Elizabeth. And it gives now Mary the faith to say, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? So someone says, look, I was in the same place. My husband went into the temple area and was also visited by an angel and told that there was one to be named. Now, she doesn't know John yet because that'll come later. But there's a prophet that's going to come and now he can't even speak. He's not able to speak right now. So, so she's witnessing to the fact that God can do the impossible. But listen to this, you guys. This is really important. Elizabeth hasn't seen her miracle yet when she says this. So here's two solid, faith-believing women who God can use in a mighty and powerful way. That's how miracles are conceived, and that's how miracles are birthed. But I want you to look back at what I just read. Verse 38 again. Mary said, Behold, a maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, let, let me see this here. Let me read this. Let it be to me according to your word. 66 books. Inerrant. Infallible. You can't believe in faith, if you're not in his word. Men and women, I cannot emphasize this enough. Being in the word is a miracle in and of itself. But miracles are birthed when we read a word according to God from his word to you. And it's called rhema. It's a revelation that he gives you. And you stand on that word, not on the opinions of men, not how you feel about it, but it's getting up each morning. And before you go to work, before you do whatever you're going to do, spend time in God's word. Before you go to bed, spend time in God's word. If you have children, open God's word. Pray over over your kids. Read the word as a family. Have a family altar. It alters a family. God uses his word. He was using it at that time from an angel, but now he's given us his word. And it's why the communist party, fascist parties of the past, the Nazi party of the past and others, the first thing they do 
When they begin to take over a country as they take the Bibles out of the classroom, they take the Bibles out of people's homes because let me tell you what, Satan fears men and women who live by this book. And you gotta be men and women of this book. And when the church loses this book, they lose faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You start to lose faith, you never see miracles anymore. And you're just ordinary. You're just an ordinary person going through life except you go to church on Sunday. Or you're an ordinary person going through life. You never really see anything all that different than anybody else, but you believe in Jesus. You have an intellectual faith. Folks, that's not good enough. God wants your heads on fire and your hearts on fire. He wants them both on fire. And the only way you get fired up is you hang out with believers that are fired up and you're at the right place at this church. But then you read God's word. And when you read God's word, you start to ask God to speak to your heart when you read God's word. Reading God's word is not studying God's word. It's knowing the word giver. It's knowing the one who gives us his word. Let I just open my Bible, Psalm 82. Let me just read it. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. Okay, I just read that. I just randomly opened that up. They didn't do this in the first service. So this is the one we're going to record, okay, for posterity. But if I was reading that, this is the way I would do it. We do it this way. God, I stand now in the congregation of the mighty. I want to be a part of the mighty. Lord, I want to be mighty in my life. I want to be mighty at my job. I want to be mighty in my marriage. I want to be a mighty man of God. Lord, would you use me to be able to support and strengthen those that are afflicted by the wicked. For those that are poor and fatherless, you stand with them. So when I stand with you, I'm standing with them. And would you use me in a mighty way because you say you come to the congregation of the mighty. That might be what I would pray. You see what I'm saying? So that changes from just being a study manual to actually making it a dialogue with the Lord where he can do the miraculous when you read God's word. So it's very, very exciting to do that. So three thoughts as we close. First of all, the first thing we notice is that Mary heard a voice. And there's a lot of voices. So number one, listen for the right voice. Hear the right voice. Um, I've cast out a lot of demons through the years. Some of you in this room have too. And I don't really trust what demons say. I don't really want to have a conversation with demons. I just tell them to get out of here. Okay? And so, and so there's a lot of demonic voices out there. And I would encourage you to listen for God's voice. And you can't listen for God's voice if you're not hearing the most important place where he speaks, and that's from his word. 95% of everything we need to hear from God is found in his word. So God speaks to us. Number two, seek the Lord. Number two, seek the Number one, hear his voice. Number two, seek the Lord. So seek him for what he wants to do in and through your life. And then thirdly, and this is really fun, expect an adventure. Expect an adventure. So this week, a national publication had some things to say about me, and it was kind of fun to read, and, um, and I got, you know, text, I got it first from Richard Harris, chief counsel to Andrew Walmack, said, you might want to know that you and I are on the radar, um, and it's not important that we go into what, what was said, but my immediate response was, bring it on, this is an adventure, there's not anything we're doing that's not, uh, that is not biblical, 
spirit-led, and it's making an impact. And folks, whenever you start to make an impact, you're going to have enemies. You're going to have people that stand against you. But listen, let's be winsome. Let's be joyful. Don't act like the enemy. Don't become upset. Don't become fearful. Don't become worried. It's an adventure. It's a kingdom adventure. And you can't see miracles unless you go through troubled times. So if you're in troubled times, great. It's ex- you're at, maybe you're at the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's breathing down your throat. Pick up your rod. As, I, as Francis Schaeffer said so many years ago so well in one of his books. He says, pick up your rod. And he meant the Bible. And watch God move. Watch him part the Red Sea. He's not interested in your arm. He wants his right arm, and his right arm is expressed through your right hand holding up his word so that he can move in a miraculous way. Hey, thanks for listening to The Road Podcast. It's been my joy to be a part of your life today. And you know, that's part of what we do here at The Road, and this is what I do in having this Road Podcast, is to empower people to change their world. My passion and desire is that you would take God's Word through the power of the Holy Spirit and make that relevant for your life. You know, the reality is that God has placed your life here on this earth to make a difference. And if you'd like more information about how to grow in Christ, if you need prayer, if you want more equipping in different areas of your life, go to theroad.org. God bless you.